Let's go to um, First Peter. First Peter. So, First Timothy. I mean, First Peter, chapter two, and we're at that last section of scripture, speaking of our Saviour, verse twenty-one down to twenty-five, and we covered just the one verse last week. For even hereunto were ye called. Because, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps. And so it's talking about suffering. The, the book is about that. And the, right in the centre here we have the Lord and his suffering as an example. And we looked last week just at the suffering saviour. This is our calling. Uh, we might resent it as we do right and suffer for it. But this is exactly what the Lord himself did. And so we saw his suffering last week and we look at his sinlessness tonight. A sinless saviour. Verse 22. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, that our saviour was sinless. He couldn't be our saviour if he wasn't. Thank you, Lord, that he paid the price for our salvation because we couldn't. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Thank you that he chose to do this willingly, submissively, without complaint, and that now he is seated interceding for us, one day to be crowned the king when he comes to take this world in its authority. Bless our hearts as we consider our Saviour tonight, the sinless one who took our place, paid the price. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Now when we read verse 22 and 23, and actually some of these, several of these verses, where have you heard them before? What chapter verse do you find the thoughts if not the very words almost the same words Isaiah Isaiah, yeah (laughs) 53 yeah and this verse that we look at tonight is a quote from there Isaiah 53 and verse 9 let's turn to the gospel of John we're looking at our saviour being Sinless, and it's very important that he was. John's Gospel, chapter 18, toward the end of it, and verse 38. Let's see who declared that he was so. Pilate has said unto, said unto him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews, and he said unto them, What? <laughs> I find no fault in him. Go down to chapter 19 and verse 4. Pilate therefore went forth again and said unto them, Behold, I bring him forth to you, that ye may know that I find no fault in him. Verse 6. And when the chief priests therefore and officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, Take ye him and crucify him, for I find... No fault in him. Now, <clears throat> he could have taken exception to the 
the thought that, you know, he, he declared himself to be king and well, Pilate's a leader and, you know, what's he going to do to my position? But he said, I find no fault in him three times in these few verses here in John's Gospel. <clears throat> now turn to Luke's Gospel, chapter 23, into that Gospel as well, in verse 41. 23 and 41. And there it says... <clears throat> Um, I've got the wrong, the, uh, wrong chapter here. 23. And the, the dying thief said, And we indeed justly, we're in this condemnation justly, we've, we've committed sin. For we receive the due rewards of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing amiss. This thief had heard about the Lord. This, thief knew of the Lord maybe he'd heard him teaching and he said here this man has done nothing amiss this was the talk of Israel he was because when the two were on the road to Emmaus Mr and Mrs if you listen to Derek's sermon um, about a month ago and um, they said don't you know all Jerusalem knows about this it was the talk of town. It was the talk of Israel. And so this man, this dying thief, may well have heard. And uh, he said he had done nothing amiss. We deserve to suffer, but he has done nothing. No fault from Pilate. Dying thief, nothing amiss. And then in Mark chapter 14 and verse 55. Mark fourteen fifty-five. <clears throat> And we find here the crooks, the, the ones trying to find fault with the Lord Jesus, the chief priests, the religious people. And the chief priests and all the council sought for witness against Jesus to put him to death and found none. For many bore false witness against him, but their witness all agreed not together. And there rose certain and bore false witness against him, saying, we heard him say, I will destroy this temple that is made with hands and in, within three days I will build another made without hands. But neither did their witness agree together. <laughs> what is it? No fault. And here they were endeavouring to find a, a witness and there were false witnesses. And the high priest stood up in the midst and asked Jesus saying, Answerest thou nothing? What is this that these witnesses say against thee? And he held his peace and answered nothing again. And the high priest asked him and said unto him, Art thou the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? That would have been hard for him to say, <laughs> even in the question form. And so there was no fault found by the witnesses. And eventually they found some and in other, the other Gospels and, and brought false accusation against the Lord. As it says, he did no sin. He was sinless immaculate impeccable absolutely holy how many of us could that be said of none there is none righteous no not one none no not one one none not anyway it says in hebrews 4:15 hebrews 4:15 for we have not an high priest who cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities 
but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Without sin. He did no sin. And that's what this verse says in First Peter chapter 3 and verse 22. He did no sin, and then it says, he, Neither was guile found in his mouth. No craftiness, no deceit, no subtlety, pure, unadulterated truth. No psychological games. Even kids play those on their parents. <laughs> they learn young. They don't know what psychology is, but they use it. <laughs> Absolute transparency was the Lord Jesus Christ. No guile found in him. Completely honest. Totally perfect in his walk and in his talk. Um, <clears throat> this could be said of no one else. There's only two other men in the Bible that, that no sin is spoken against or about. I mean that... It doesn't say they sin. There's no mention of that in the Bible. Can you think of who they might be? Daniel and Joseph. Daniel and Joseph. But were they sinless? No. For it says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, doesn't it? That's Romans 3.23. And it also says in Romans 5.12, for by one man... Sin entered into the world and death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. And so we're sinners by choice and we're sinners by nature. And so, yes, Joseph and Daniel, though there's nothing recorded against them, they could agree with Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 7. <laughs> and, uh, and in other portions where he said, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me? He, they struggled with these things too. They were possessed of a sinful nature, as all of our children are. Uh, <clears throat> I heard a, in the book on heaven I was reading, I heard about, you know, then how if people who are younger die and you say they go to heaven, how then the Lord can cover, can cover them because they've got a sinful nature. And he went into the different verses. It was an interesting, um, interesting look at it, <laughs> that the Lord does cover those. And uh, as we have even in David's example. <clears throat> okay. He offered his own sinless blood on the altar as our high priest. And it was accepted. If you just go back a little bit to First John chapter 2. And we often turn to these verses. <laughs> My little children. These things write I unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin we have an advocate with the father. Jesus Christ, the righteous. <laughs> and he is the, what's the big word? Propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. The whole world could get saved. Covers them all. He paid the price for all the sins. That's, how, that's why it is so wrong and so wicked to die unrepentant. Because the sins were paid for. He bore them, and you don't confess you're a sinner and need salvation, and that, that just is a slap in the face of God for a sinner to do that. Let's turn to the book of Romans, chapter 3. Sinless, no guile in his mouth. He is our propitiation. Chapter 4 of Romans. Oh, sorry, chapter 3, sorry, and verse 25. 24, we'll back up. 24, 
being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, who God has set forth to be a, what? Propitiation. Through faith in his blood. Propitiation. God needed to be satisfied with the payment that was made to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past, what were they? Sins that are past. At the time of the the Lord Jesus Christ, all the sins of the saints of the Old Testament, through the forbearance of God, as he forbear those to that point, to declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him who believeth in Jesus. You see, how can God be just and yet let sinners off, as it were? (laughs) How can he be just and the justifier? But God had that worked out through his son and his sacrifice, that that's how we can be saved. And the only way we can be saved, the, 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 the sins of the Old Testament saints were covered until that time by the sacrifices that they gave. <clears throat> Propitiation. It's the Greek, meaning that, that which expiates, a propitiates, or the gift which procures propitiation. The word is used in the New Testament for the place of propitiation. In Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 5, although the word propitiation isn't there or propitiate, it's the word mercy seat. It's the word mercy seat. And what does that take your mind back to? The, the ark, the lid of the ark of the covenant. And the mercy seat was sprinkled with atoning blood on the day of, the one day of atonement in the Old Testament there when the high priest offered the, to, to cover the sins of the people. And uh, changing a judgment seat into a mercy seat, a throne of grace, so to speak, a place of communion. And another Greek word, hilasmos, related to the first one, is used for Christ as our propitiation and for atonement. And um, Old and New Testament, this word is used. That God was completely satisfied, as we said before, with the sacrifice of Christ. He met the holy demands. Let's go back into the Old Testament and see a few places where the sacrifices of the Old Testament, which typified the sacrifice of the Lord, um, <clears throat> are spoken about. And you'll find a word that keeps coming up over and over. The book of Leviticus. book of Leviticus chapter 1 and verse 3. And I'll just read the verses and you'll soon pick up the word. <clears throat> Because this is speaking in type of our Lord Jesus Christ. Chapter 1 and verse 3, we find there, If his offering be a burnt sacrifice of the herd, let him offer a male without blemish. He shall offer it of his own voluntary will at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before the Lord. Go to chapter 1 and verse 10. And if his offering be of the flocks, namely of the sheep, or of the goats for a burnt off for a burnt sacrifice, he shall bring it a male without blemish. Chapter three and verse verse one. And if his oblation be a sacrifice of peace offering, if he offer it 
of the herd, whether it be male or female, he shall offer it without blemish before the Lord. Verse 6. And his offering for a sacrifice of peace offering unto the Lord be of the flock, male or female, he shall offer it without blemish. Have you picked up the word yet? <laughs> without blemish. Without blemish. And you go right through the book of Leviticus and it's there all the time. It's marked out. And uh, who was without blemish? The Lord Jesus Christ, our Saviour. And back in the book of Exodus, where they were to take the lamb, the at that time they were first instructed as a nation to take a lamb at the time of the Passover in chapter 12 of Exodus and verse 5. Well, verse 3 speaks of a lamb for our house and verse 4 it speaks of the lamb and then in verse 5 it speaks of your lamb shall be with what? With, without blemish. A male of the first year you shall take it out of the sheep of the he goat, of the goat, or from the goats, and so you have the Passover lamb, your lamb, a lamb, your lamb, I mean a lamb, the lamb, your lamb, without blemish, it is to be. Let's turn to Deuteronomy, chapter fifteen and verse twenty-one. Deuteronomy fifteen and verse twenty-one. And if there be any blemish therein, as if it be lame or blind or have an ill blemish, thou shalt not sacrifice it unto the Lord thy God. Thou shalt eat it within the gates, the unclean and the clean person shall eat it alike, as the roebuck and as the hut. Only thou shalt not eat the blood thereof, thou shalt pour it out. Don't offer that which is Blemish, chapter 17, verse 1. Thou shalt not sacrifice unto the Lord thy God any bullock or sheep wherein is blemish or any evil favouredness, for that is an abomination unto the Lord. That is an abomination. See, it, it, it was all picturing and pointing to the Lord Jesus Christ, the sinless Saviour. It was to be without blemish. And even those who ministered in Leviticus chapter 21. And verse 17 were to be without blemish. It gives a list of qualifications as it gives a list of qualifications, not the same sort of list, but for New Testament servants here in Leviticus 21 and verse 17, speak unto Aaron, saying, Whosoever he is of thy seed in their generations who hath any blemish, let him not approach to offer the bread of his God. For... Whatsoever man is he that hath blemish, he shall not approach. A blind man? Now, now if, if we had this list today, as it were, in the world, what would they say? What would they cry out? Unclean. Oh, no. Unsaved people? Discrimination, discrimination. <laughs> but um, here, and the, the, it is given. He shall not approach. A blind man or a lame or he who hath a flat nose, or anything superfluous, or a man who is broken-footed, or broken-handed, or a crooked back, or a dwarf, or hath a blemish in his eye, or be scurvy, or scabbed, or he that hath stones broken. So all these things are listed 
as blemishes that any of the uh, tribe of Levi that, that way were not to serve. That's the Lord's will. Because it is pointing to the perfect sinless sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. Their ministry, the, uh, the you know, prophet, priest, priest and king. And he be the priest that these ones were picturing. The sacrifice which was given over and over again in the Old Testament without blemish. Well, in the passage, or just before the passage where we are in First Peter, in chapter 1, verse 18 and 19, it reads there, For as much as you know, you were not redeemed with corruptible things, like silver and gold from your vain conversation, received by tradition from your fathers. You see, when we work or try to work for our salvation, a lot of, like a lot of religions do, we're saying to the Lord, your sacrifice is not sufficient. I have to add my works. Whatever it be, whatever sort of works it be. You know, we, we, can't, we can't die for our own sins. We will die because of our sins. And we can't die for our sins. But, and we read on, like silver and gold from a vain conversation, received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot <laughs> Ephesians 5:27 reads and that he might present it to himself he's speaking of the church a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that it should be holy and without blemish that's what the Lord is making a church that's without spot without wrinkle and without blemish he wants us to be that way. He's, he, he, he's sanctifying us through life. He's, he's making us that we walk as Christians this way. He's desiring that of all of us and he works and works and works on us. <laughs> that he might bring that about. Now, yes, through the blood of Christ, we've made, we've, our, our sins have been dealt with. But in our Christian walk, he's bringing together a church as we walk together to be without spot. A bride. In Colossians 1.22 it reads, In the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. Now we've, I know we've not long ago looked at this one. It's the last book of the Old Testament in Malachi chapter 1. Malachi chapter 1. Malachi's getting on to the people because they were concentrating on their own things and their own homes and things of that nature, worldly things, and they weren't thinking about God's house. And he said in chapter 1, verse 6, through to 8, As a son honoureth his father, and a servant his master, if then I be a father, where is mine honour? Why aren't you honouring me? And if I be a master, where is my fear? Saith the Lord of hosts unto you. O priest that despise my name, and ye say, wherein have we despised thy name? We haven't done that. You hear the, you can hear some people's so-called Christians saying that. <laughs> but ye offer <clears throat> polluted bread upon mine altar. Who's the bread of life? The Lord, not polluted. And ye and ye say, wherein have we polluted thee? In that ye say. The table of the Lord is contemptible. And if ye offer the blind for a sacrifice, 
Is it not evil? This is what we've read in the Old Testament. The spotless, uh, to be without blemish. And if you offer a lame and sick, is it not evil? You know, the Lord, dev- the Lord demanded the firstborn, the firstfruits, the best. And that's what he wants of Christians. And if you offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer it now unto the governor. Will he be pleased with thee? Accept thy person? No, you chase her out of the place. He might do more than that too, saith the Lord of hosts. He would not accept it. And, but, but you dare to offer, to it, offer it to God. In verse 13 of the same chapter, ye also... <clears throat> no, sorry. Let's see if I got... Yep. Ye said also, behold, what a weariness it is. And ye have snuffed at it, saith the Lord of hosts. And ye brought that which was torn and lame... And the sick, they didn't, they didn't want the sacrifice to cost anything. They wanted to get rid of the, these sort of ones amongst their flock. They give this one. Thus ye brought an offering. Should I accept this of your hand, saith the Lord? But cursed be the deceiver, who hath in his flock a male, and voweth and sacrifices unto the Lord a corrupt thing. For I am a great king, saith the Lord of hosts, and my name is dreadful among the heathen. God wants that which is without sin, that which is without blemish, as his son was, without blemish, without sin. What are we offering the Lord? He died for us. God was satisfied with his sacrifice. The sacrifice was accepted. It now can cover and atone for the blood as it's been sprinkled on the mercy seat. (laughs) If the son and his offering was with sin, God would not have raised, the Father would not have raised the Lord Jesus. It would have been unacceptable, a sacrifice, but he was raised, showing that God the Father accepted. We, on the other hand, as you read Romans 1, we won't turn there, verses 9 to the end, are dreadfully out of whack. (laughs) There's none that do with God. No, not one. Their throat is an open sackler with their mouth they've used to see. Poison of asp is under their lips. But the Lord Jesus, in everything he said, everything he thought, was without sin. And that's why he is now our sacrifice, our propitiation, satisfying the demands of a holy God. That's why God can be just, And the justifier, because the Lord Jesus paid the price. That's it. We thank him for it. And we only go that far. We won't go to the next one, because it'll take as long to cover that one too. He he was a submissive saviour. Suffering saviour and sinless. Sinless. Woe be to those in religious circles that say the sacrifice of Christ was not enough and add works. They are not saved. You think so? I don't think they're saved. I'm sure they're not. If they add to God's plan for our salvation, that which is just not acceptable. All our works are as filthy rags, as Jeremiah said.